I had this this memory of running into the the room. I was really excited to tell my mom something. And here's the thing for context. I'm really loud. I've been loud my whole life. And my mom has very sensitive ears, like that mosquito tone that Mm. people over 40 aren't supposed to be able to hear. She can hear it. So me coming in screaming hurt her ears. So all I have is a memory of seeing her from behind seizing up. And uh, what I learned from that as a little kid was, oh, if I'm loud, if I express myself, I'm going to hurt people. Welcome back to Get Psyched, everyone. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today I'm so excited to sing Be Our Guest, Be Our Guest. And any of you Beauty and the Beast fans out there are going to be super psyched to know that Ben Walker is joining me on the show and was in the Broadway musical Beauty and the Beast for quite a stint of time. He is probably one of the funnest people I have talked to. Theatrics is not just for stage. It is in all the time that he is talking, and it is so fun to sit down and connect with Ben. Today, we dive into Adventure Dad and what that means. He teaches dads how to play. We get in touch with our inner children. We learn that it's okay to not take life so seriously and that fun is the point. Ben is such an incredible human, and I cannot wait for you to hear more about what he has to say on today's show. But before diving in too far, please be sure to leave the show a five-star rating and review so I can continue to talk to awesome people like Ben every week. Enjoy. Ben. Hello. I am so excited to have this show because, well, A, we've been talking about it forever since we became internet friends and then real life friends. And so I'm just excited to have you on the show and talk all things Adventure Dad, which I'm going to be quite honest, I don't exactly know what it is. So I'm super stoked. And just for people tuning in that don't know you the way I know you, uh, can you give a quick Hey, I'm Ben. This is who I am, and we'll dive into Adventure Dad. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm the I'm the kind of guy who invites people to Thanksgiving on Instagram when he doesn't know them yet. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna That's... be in the desert. You should come out. Yeah, come hang out. You seem cool. I like your podcast. Yeah, come hang out. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, like, I guess, like, how I got here was I uh, I was a musical theater actor since I was eight years old. And did that, like my whole goal was to be on Broadway. That was always what my goal was. And when I got to the point of working professionally and auditioning for Broadway, I realized this is not the dream anymore. And all that time I was being pulled in this fitness coaching direction. And I I took a, so I took a big jump after a string of really uninspiring shows and uh, like a come to Jesus moment of, I cannot go back to New York City. Mm. I, I, there's every fiber of my being is resisting going back to that place. You don't dig uh, the smell of hot street garbage anymore? No. And actually, <laughs> that's the thing is I remember once being in somewhere in Pennsylvania and I pulled up in my car and I got out and I went, huh, 
it smells like New York City. That's weird. And I saw there was a pile of garbage <laughs> right next to my car. Like it is, it, you know, stories, whatever. I, I, New York City is like the, the dirtiest, most inconvenient, poisonous place I've ever been. Woof. No, no offense to those East Coast listeners. All right. Yes. But- Here's the, so, some people love it there and that's perfect. Great. <laughs> That's, I need to be in the mountains. I need to be where there's green and trees. Like that, that's why I made my, like my office when I was coaching people was Central Park. Oh, wow. How long that, were you in New York? Uh, for three years. Okay. And where, where are you from originally? So people kind of see that. New that Jersey. Change. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh, and a big thing that got me out of there was the first gig that I got out of college was a national touring musical. So I spent two years touring all over North America. Is that Beauty and the Beast? Yes. Yes. Beauty and the Beast. So if you saw a production of Beauty and the Beast between 2014 and 2016, you've seen me. Uh, (laughs) Marie, the baguettes, hurry up. (laughs) Iconic, iconic musical theater line. Um, So I saw all this, like these beautiful parts of the country. And then, and I remember sitting in my hammock in Salt Lake City, watching the sunset behind the mountains going, why the hell am I going back to New York City? Mm. And uh, I did, and I did the thing. I, I, I did the sing it, song and dance thing, and I realized this isn't it. This isn't it anymore. The literal and song I, and dance. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> Tap dancing, singing my face off eight times a week. And um. Yeah, I was like, if, if I'm on paper living the dream, why do I feel like I'm missing out on stuff? Mm. That was a big a kicker for me was going thinking about all the things I'm missing out on while I'm doing this show that I've been training my whole life to do. Um, so I, t- I took the leap and went like called my agent like, hey, I'm going on a hiatus or a hiatus. I don't know audition anymore. And went all in on coaching and that, that opened up so many doors for me where now I've got, like, I'm living the life that I want, where I'm able to travel and be able to live in places that excite me, do what I love and definitely still perform. Like I'm still using my degree for sure. It's, it's in a, a different way. And I get to sing for my friends sometimes. Hell yeah. I think one of my, favorite things about coaching is like for that hour, right? We've heard the term, like you get to be the best hour of someone's day. And we've all heard that, but you really do you perform for an hour or for however long the class is, and either for a private audience or a bigger class. And, um, what kind of carryover have you seen from the song and dance world to coaching? Uh, the stage presence is very important. Like I've been in in uh in fitness classes where the coach is like all right this is the workout we're going to do these movements uh yeah when we get to this one don't do this okay cool ready three two one go and i don't i'm not excited about that at all no Um, so i i naturally made my classes as entertaining as possible and it helped that like my first coaching gig in new york city uh after I stopped acting was at Mark Fisher fitness, which is founded by actors. 
Mm. So there was like neon everywhere, club lights, dildos on the walls. We were, our uniform was either a shirt with the Mark Fisher logo or a ridiculous costume. What was your uh, favorite coaching costume? Oh, the, um, I found a unicorn suit of armor and a hobby horse. <laughs> and I rode into class riding, riding my hobby horse with my suit of armor, helmet and everything. And this is the best part. The, the guy who was coaching class before me, it was his birthday. So the ninjas, that's what we called the, uh, the clients, ninjas, made him every time there was a rest in the class, they made him take off an article of clothing. <laughs> so I come in in my night costume thinking I'm being so cool and I'm getting one up because this guy over here is in his banana hammock taking a picture with all the all the ninjas for his birthday but that was like I loved that and like it was it was my job to make not just make like make sure that people got a good workout but to, but to make sure they had fun yeah. while they were doing it I think and, so many people lose that you know all of a sudden fitness is this thing that is you know, supposed to be a stress relief, make us feel good, endorphins, all these things. And then all of a sudden you get either a crummy coach or a crummy mindset around it. And you're like, oh, I got to go to the gym. And it, there's all the, uh, like the most prevalent fitness motivation is all about work. Like discipline equals freedom, go hard or go home. Pain is weakness, leaving the body. Tears are, that one. sweat is your fat <laughs> crying. And it's all, it's all about work. And when you, when you look at like the, the animal kingdom on a, in a large scale, a gorilla doesn't wake up and go, okay, I got to swing through 10 trees today at this intensity you know, so I can get jacked. No, a gorilla gets up and swings through some trees. Right. And like lions, they, they wrestle because they're playing. Okay. So does this, I got to know, how is this adventure dad? This? Oh yes. So the, the main thing when I was doing, uh, leading into, this is like leading up to the adventure dad program was all these guys were coming up to me in their thirties and forties. Most of them had kids and they'd go, Ben, can you teach me how to play? Oh my gosh. I already love this. And, and that was, that was the thing is they, they've got kids and they want to play with their kids. And most of them uh, have some sort of early childhood trauma from their dad, not playing with them. Mm. So they want to be able to play with their kids, but they don't know how, cause they're stuck in this uh, provider role. Like I have to work to provide for my family. I have to be a grown up, And at some point, being a grown up came to me and you had to leave the kid stuff behind whatever the kid stuff is and that leads to a really boring life and that's why you get guys in their in their they have their midlife crisis and they buy a sports car cuz it's like shit my life's halfway over and I'm not having any fun right got to go back to my hot wheels days yeah <laughs> but yeah, now and, as an and, adult and we all and like, people roll their eyes at it but that that's that's a symptom mm. of the problem of people not having enough fun so and that and that came up too when i was doing market research for the program is you know what do you what like what throws you off track with your workouts oh when they're boring 
Mm. Like, what do you, I want to, you know, I want to have fun. I want to express myself through movement. I want to play. I don't want to go and like just grind away at my workouts. So this program evolved into how can I make training fun for these dads so that, you know, it's not the goal and the goal here isn't um, it's not about like be strong. It's not about have a 500 pound deadlift. It's be fit enough to play with your kids. Yeah. Be able to crawl around the floor with your great. There was a guy who literally told me my goal is to be at my grandkids wedding. On the dance floor. That, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm one up in that. Like I want every dad in this program to be burning up the dance floor. Oh yeah. At his grandkids wedding. Um, so that's what, that's what I'm doing with this program is really helping, helping dads remember how to be boys again mm. and get really fit while they do it. Why do you think people lose the ability to play? It's, it's something we forget. And it's the, it's the whole like Western work hard, masculine, have to be doing all the time mentality. And I've definitely been caught up with in that where like I finish, I finish everything that's on my schedule for work. And then the first thought is, oh, I've got this time. Like what else can I be doing? Can I be writing copy? Can I be doing outreach? Can I do this? That is like, or I could play video games. I think that was my favorite thing when we were booking this show. I was like, Hey, you know, shoot me your schedule and let's see. And on your calendar, you booked out play. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you do that? Um, it's, it's the first thing I put on my calendar because mm-hmm. that, that like subconsciously tells my brain that that is my priority is scheduling myself first, scheduling the things that are going to fill my cup first. And this carries over too into what happens with dads is they stop working out because they're putting everyone, they're putting their whole family before themselves. And that's in, in popular culture that seen to be noble. Right. But what it teaches the kids is, oh, I have to put everyone's needs before my own. My own needs aren't important. And there was a great quote that it's, um, I forget who said it, but it's kids aren't going to do what you tell them to do. They will do what they see you do. Right. What you show them to do. Yeah. So I, I put play on my calendar so that I can see for myself, this is important. This is a really high value for me, just as valuable, if not more valuable than, uh, the professional stuff that's on my calendar and the play carries over into the, the professional work because I've seen it happen in myself where when I got, when I'm played out and I'm, I'm fulfilled there, it's way easier for me to sit down and work. I always take care of that. Like I always train before I do any, anything work related because that is like, I, I am that five-year-old kid who was bouncing off the walls, couldn't sit still. I was homeschooled up until high school. 
because of that, I was not going to fit in. And moms were, uh, when I was four, moms were asking my mom, oh my God, when can you put that kid on Ritalin? Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So I- mean, kids aren't supposed to sit for like six, seven hours a day. Right. Don't don't you just want them to be be quiet and and obedient? Yeah. And like everybody else all the time? (laughs) I mean, checks out. Come on. (laughs) Right. It's so- I do all of that because when I do that, I know when I have that part of my cup filled, all the other stuff comes so much easier. I'm I'm able to focus more on the work that I'm doing. I have better energy when I'm done with my work because I took care of myself first. I took care of the little five-year-old kid who is still very present Mm. in my life. I took care of him. And because of that, I'm, I'm much more effective, much more productive throughout the rest of my day. And it makes everything more fun, which is the point. So how, cause obviously I love when people start talking about inner child work. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, he, he posted something about nutrition and he like, his whole tagline was like, stop eating like a five-year-old. And I wrote back, I was like, Hey, you know, sometimes I like to eat like a (laughs) five-year-old and he goes, that's what a five-year-old would say. And my response to him was, we're kind of all still five-year-olds. We're just walking around in these adult meat sacks. Preach, (laughs) preach. So how do you, I know that you're talking about prioritizing play as a way to tend to that inner child, but what even brought that into your awareness to begin with? Because I think that that's something so many of us have conditioned out of us or are told it's not Mm. something that we should look at, or it's it's scary to turn towards that part. What brought that into your awareness? So there's a, a retreat called Training Camp for the Soul that I did in 2019. And it is, it's the most transformational thing I've ever done. I walked out of that cabin. I didn't remember who the guy was who walked in. Wow. And training camp is the most accurate name because it was like, when it was my turn again, by day three, I was like, whoo. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I guess we're gonna. This isn't a white robe retreat, my guy. <laughs> no, no, we are. It was, it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot at once, um, which is how I like it. I like it. I like intense stuff. Um, and that that retreat got me back in touch with the the parts of me that I hadn't been listening to. Mm. Like I've always said that I'm very much in touch with my inner five-year-old and that retreat gave me so much more that I had no idea was there. Um, like things around like why I was, why I felt uncomfortable celebrating my own birthday mm. and why I was really nervous to invite anyone to do anything. And why, why I was like holding myself back from adventures that I wanted to go on. And it was, it was like a lifting of veil and being able to see everything at once to go, holy shit, I've been doing all of that. Wow. Okay. Well, let's get some actions. Let's do, let's do something new. Mm. And uh, yeah, coming out of that, the, um, it, it was, well, I guess there was about six weeks of getting my sea legs. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who, who the hell am I? Um, 
and then it turned into this epic year and a half nomad adventure where I I was able to literally work from anywhere, mountaintops. I would go on hikes to do my coaching calls because fun is the point. Because mm. I wanted I wanted that adventure, and I was going on road trips. I was inviting friends out to these road trips, and was it? And I can like look back now and go, yeah. Before I did that retreat, I I would have been too insecure, too nervous to to do any of that. Yeah. When you brought up, um, you know, why was I afraid to celebrate my birthday? Why was I afraid to invite people to my birthday? Um, I think that those sorts of questions resonate with a lot of people probably listening. And it sounds like the answers that you found to those things were kind of the catalyst of what even got you into that six weeks of sea legs. So what were some of those answers that you started coming to? Um, a big one was I had this, this memory of running into the, running into the room because I was really excited to tell my mom something. And here's the thing for context, I'm really loud. I've been <laughs> loud my whole life. And my mom has very sensitive ears, like that mosquito tone mm. that people over 40 aren't supposed to be able to hear. She can hear it. Yeah. So me coming in screaming hurt her ears. So all I have is a memory of seeing her from behind going, mm. seizing up and, uh, what, what I learned from that as a little kid was, oh, if I'm loud, if I express myself, I'm going to hurt people. Mm. And that, like, that went along with, um, and this is why I have a hard boundary on any sort of a formal schooling education for my kids, is most, of, I was the only homeschooled kid who lived in my town. I had homeschool friends, but they were they live like 20 minutes away. So I had the neighborhood pack of boys, but they all went to school. Right. And there, there's, there's something that kids learn in school. I don't know how it happens where like you have to put other kids down. Like, oh, when I find out something that's really important to you, I'm going to tell you it's stupid. And I'm going to make you feel terrible for liking that thing. So I got a lot of that. If I, if there was something that was important to me, it was stupid or it was mm. gay. And I like from that, I, I went, okay, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put any of this out there. I'm not gonna ask for what I want because people are just gonna tell me it's stupid. And I would see this play out. Um, as I got older, there were so many situations where a bunch of us would be having a conversation in a group and I'd say something and the conversation would immediately die. And mm. I didn't know why that was. And that, again, I remember thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to not talk anymore because every time I talk, the conversation dies. And what that really was, was me wanting to be like, wanting to be a part of the group, wanting to be accepted. So it's like, ooh, I've got a thing I can say. I'm going to make sounds with my mouth. <laughs> and that, like, what I said often, like, I wasn't throwing a catchable ball to anybody. Mm. 
So like they didn't know what to do with what I just said because all I wanted to, all I was trying to do was make noises with my mouth. And uh, it it took like once I realized all of that, what I was able to change was putting the focus on the other person when I'm in those situations because I recognized. And it was pointed out to me by uh, Anat Perry, who's the, the founder of Training Camp for the Soul, that I was making it all about me. Mm. I just, I wanted, to, like I said, I wanted to make sounds with my mouth. I wanted it to be my turn. And when that happened, I would, I would just like hijack the conversation instead of putting the focus on the other person. And when I did that, there would a natural flow would occur where there, there's a game I love to play called the curiosity game where you're only allowed to ask questions. Mm. And my favorite thing is to ninja it on people and see how long I can go. Uh, or I like to find, try and find the thing that re- they're really excited about. That's going to get them going on a 10 minute tangent. That's like and, every podcast host dream too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, I, I love doing podcasts because when I'm hosting, that's what I'm doing is like, let's find what you are really passionate about. And when I did that, people eventually reciprocated and they would start asking me questions and then there'd be a, a flow back and forth. But until I realized that this whole thing was coming from the, this lack of acceptance, acceptance from my peers when I was little and this uh, illogical uh, memory of hurting my mom when I was really loud. Without clearing that, like I wasn't able to, to express myself mm. because I was either going to hurt myself or get told I was stupid. I was going to hurt someone else or get told I was stupid. Mm. How interesting then that you would go on to perform with literally your voice. I, I remember writing that down that like I've been, I've spent my whole life people saying, Ben, be quiet. Ben, shut up. Ben, you're being too loud. Cause it was a, all people all over the place would be telling me that. And theater was the, the place where I had to be that, that loud. Like there, there is no, people talk about marking, which is when you, you go into a show and you don't really kick your leg as high or you don't really go for that last note. I never did that mm. because in my mind, if I didn't give a hundred percent, then I wasn't doing my job. And it also wasn't fun. It's not, to me, it's not fun to go half-ass it on, on the stage. I want to, I want to be like exhausted at the end. Like my, when I was on Beauty and the Beast, my, one of my roles in the show was I understudied the beast. So if he got sick, I would go on. And I got to do that like 15, 17 times. And that was, that was my shit. Cause the beast is, is running around like a bat out of hell the <laughs> whole show. And I loved it. And that was like, theater was the place where I had to be hundred percent and I was praised for it. 
Right. That was the thing is here's the place where I can be big, loud Ben. And I, I get, I get recognition for it. So that was, that was a big, a big thing for me in theater was always, always being a hundred percent with that. Yeah. I'm curious how, cause it's performative, right? Like, yes, you get to be Ben. Yes. You get to be the beast. You get to capitalize on all of these things that are so your strengths and had been told subconsciously or consciously that they were weaknesses or needed to be changed in some way. Did it feel like an authentic expression of self or did it feel performative? It, it was authentic because, uh, and I love this, it's called a play for a reason. <laughs> and we're bringing it back, y'all. <laughs> That's the thing. It's called a play. Like the, um, I, I was like, especially when I went on for the beast, I was hundred percent play. And even, even when I was in the ensemble, there are so many things, so many aspects of the different characters that I played that no one in the audience knew. Like they had no idea that when I was a butter knife, my name was Horace. And I was a butter knife because I wasn't the sharpest knife, you know? I wasn't the sharpest guy. I just washed the dishes. So when the enchantment happened, I was a butter knife instead of a sharp steak knife. No one knew that. But the whole time, I'm, I'm singing Be Our Guest and I'm doing my kicks in the back of my head. Like, yeah, I'm Horace and I like to dance. <laughs> I was having so much fun doing all of that. Or uh, like I, I was the baker and we had the baker's wife and she would be yelling me at me about something. And then one night she just, we were about to go on stage and she says, our son Wyatt just came out. What do we do? So our argument was, what do we, how do we handle our son Wyatt who just told us he's gay was our <laughs> argument. And that like, we kept that through line the entire show. And I loved that. It was so much fun. And the best part was it was, it was authentic because it wasn't for the audience at all. Mm. It, was, it was to make it more fun for us to do. Totally. So how do you find creating this program, Adventure Dad, and all of the role that play literally and figuratively has played in your life? What do you bring over from Broadway to this, to this program? the uh the energy like when when i am one of my mantras is i celebrate everything so that's the kind of energy that i'm bringing when i am when i'm doing a coaching call when i'm creating the curriculum when i'm creating the workouts it's all that so when um like someone a, a buddy of mine told me that i he said, my, my coaching style makes him nervous. And I said, why? And he said, cause you're the real life greatest showman. Oh man. what a compliment. <laughs> I, like, I know it was like the best compliment I've ever received. Uh, so I bring, I bring that like the, it's not just, okay, so here's this slide. So this is why it's really important to work out like this and you want to eat like this. Any questions? Okay. It's like, I, I mean, you can see it now. Like, I can't stand still right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for about, I knew I knew I needed. This. <laughs> I knew I needed to be at a standing desk for this podcast. <laughs> um, 
it's it's that energy to and yeah oh this is the thing one one of the things that i was very proud of myself for uh when i did theater was i could switch it on at a moment's notice it didn't matter if i like went backstage and sat down with my head in my hands because i was so tired when i went back on stage it was all out and i could i can do that anywhere in my life like there's plenty of coaching calls where five minutes before the call i'm going oh my god i've got to do this for another hour okay and then five minutes into that call all of that's gone Mm. and and my energy is right back up at the top again so that's that's what i what i bring to the program is like that constant reminder of like hey we're here to have fun, remember, guys? So I'm going to be really fun this whole time because I'm having fun right? talking to you guys about fun. It's that modeling that we were talking about before. Like, don't tell me, show me. And that's going to go so much further. Maybe that's just because how I learn in general, but <laughs> it, it really does. It resonates with your clients, with your audience, with whoever you're talking to, if you are just as engaged in what you're sharing as you're trying to get them to be. Yeah, because other people can tell, like even uh, my dog, if I am not, if I'm playing tug of war with him and I'm not fully in it, he'll let go and he'll just, he'll look at me because he knows, he knows I'm not really in it. But if I go all in and I'm like on the ground with him and I'm wrestling him and pulling the thing and then I throw it and he comes back and I try to tackle him like a linebacker, he, he tells me when he's done, he'll just stop and lay down it's like cool so i act like i went all in with this and you got complete and now i can go do my thing and you're not going to bother me great (laughs) yeah we're good yeah you you got your needs met cool i'm gonna go meet mine now we good great have you ever ran into because you have the ability to turn it on because at your core you're a performer because it is one of your biggest strengths in life have you ever seen that become shadowy and a side of that that is like do people ever call you for inauthenticity or not being genuine? I've, I've noticed it in myself, for sure. I don't know that. I mean, here's the thing. I'm a really good actor. I have a BFA. So, uh, <laughs> ben really I get, didn't want to be on this show, but he is yeah, selling Yeah, this it. is the worst hour of my life. Jeez. <laughs> um, the, I, I, I've noticed, I've definitely noticed it in myself where um like there's a silence and my impulse is to fill it mm. that's that's mostly when i notice it um and i'll see it too like if i'm telling a story i'll like if if i if i hijack a conversation to tell a story and, you know, giving all like the minute details. It was a Wednesday and I think, no, maybe it was a Tuesday and it rained the day before like that, try like creating a stage and then putting myself on it. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I have had, I've had buddies who, and this is funny because it's, it's been in a conversation of us talking to each other about what triggers each other about us. Ah. And that's what they've said is that, like they get triggered when I like so effortlessly take center stage. And then I, I've, I get triggered in a similar way when like they, they 
they would be talking and it's like, I'm getting just overwhelmed with all the information that you're giving. And I'm not really a part of this conversation. You're just saying shit to me. Mm. Essentially, well, I remember this conversation where we figured it out that we're both little kids going, hey, do you want to play with my cool toy? And then it was like, well, what about my toy? I want to play with my toy. Well, can we? So it's like navigating how do we both play with our with our toys? Yeah. Together. Yeah. So how are you learning to sit in the silence? Breathing. Okay, tell me more. That's the breath is is a, a switch. Switch on and off for your body. And like when I notice that silence, I can I notice um when I, what part of me is uncomfortable with this silence? What part, it's mostly uh, me trying to take responsibility for keeping a conversation going. And when I notice that, when I notice that discomfort, it's, it is, uh, how would I describe it? It's like an antsiness. Because um, the other side of it is, you know, like those, it happens a lot in, uh, like high school drama movies where someone has a, like a put, in, put their foot in their mouth moment and it's cringy. Oh, like sex education. Have you seen that show? Yep. Oh my God. It's, the, it's so good, but it's so painful for me to watch. There's so many <laughs> of those moments. Cause that's my worst fear ah. is that. Um, so when, when I catch myself, I catch that, ah, that antsiness of like, I need to say something to fill this out. So I, and I breathe. I just go, okay, can I sit in this silence? Like, what's the worst thing that'll actually happen? Oh, we'll, we'll sit in this silence for a while. Mm. And I remember I've had that uh, a conversation with my partner about that, where like I told her that that's something that I do. And she's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine with silence. Like, that's okay. We don't have to talk sometimes. And uh that's been really liberating Yeah, to be able to sit and be like, oh, I don't have to say anything right now. It doesn't have to be me that keeps the conversation going or keep, make sure the night's fun. Like someone else can do that if they want to. Right. Right. One of my favorite questions in moments like that, when we're taking responsibility for things that aren't really ours is like, man, what's it like to be so important? <laughs> What's it like? Cause you're taking on a lot right now. <laughs> Tell me, share with me. Um, so outside of the liberation, and I heard you say one of my biggest fears is like that saying the awkward thing or like putting my foot in my mouth. What are you learning from sitting in the silence? That's a really good question. Honestly, that it's okay. Uh, part of my my journey recently has been being okay, being bored. Mm. And that, that those things are intertwined. So like sitting in the silence is going, it's okay that nothing's happening right now. Nothing needs to be happening right now. And when, uh, and this happens too when I play the curiosity game with people, is 
I'm not thinking of what question to ask. I usually don't know what question I'm asking until it's halfway out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And if I was like the thing that trips people up when they play it is they go, I don't know what questions to ask. And that's like, they're trying to, they're making it about them. I have to do this. I have to, I have to be the one to like, to do something here. But if you let there be silence, you can actually hear when something relevant drops in. You can hear like, oh, here's a question I can ask the group. That's a good question to ask, as opposed to, uh, I'm going to tell a story about me to fill the silence. (laughs) Well, yeah, because when you are, I know myself, and this has been a big practice and continues to be one, when someone says something that is the slightest bit related to me or something I've done an experience I've had, there's an overwhelming part of me that wants to be like, yeah, yeah, let me tell you about the time it happened to me. And that second, my brain switches to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, I stop listening to anything else that came out of the mouth. Cause I'm too busy thinking about how I'm going to present what I'm going to tell you. Whereas if I'm actually reflectively listening, then like you're saying, the right question comes because I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm not just getting ready to rebuttal or to say my side of it. I love the moment when I'm playing the curiosity game, when someone realizes how intently I'm listening to them. Like I can <laughs> see it in their eyes. It's like, whoa, you're a really good listener. Or people will ask me, uh, well, I, wait, I want to know what you think about what I'm saying. And the honest answer is I, I'm not thinking about what you're saying. <laughs> I have no opinion. I'm not, I'm not, there's no space for me to have any opinion about what you're saying because I'm so focused on listening to what you're saying. Yeah. What was it like to have that conversation with your partner that, Hey, I'm really trying to sit in silence. Cause that can be first off kudos to her for being like, I'm cool with that. Right. Like what a great response, but also when we're trying to form new habits or we're noticing something in ourselves that we're not particularly fond of or proud of and sharing that with the partner, how was that experience for you? How did you kind of bridge that conversation? It was one of those, ooh, got to take a deep breath and say this. <laughs> <laughs> back to the breath. Back, yeah, back to, to the, the breath. breath. <laughs> that really is uh, like, if you can breathe, you can do anything. I've, I've found that in rock climbing. I've found that in partnership. I've found that in coaching. If you can breathe, you can do, you can do anything. And, uh, there was the, like the uncomfortableness of, cause it was still, we were new in this relationship at that point. So I was like, Oh no, I'm going to tell her one of my things. <laughs> uh, so I, I took a deep breath and I said it. And what I was telling myself was like, she gets it. She's going to receive this. Cause that's, what's been really cool. Um, as, as I've grown is the, I've called in partners who are at a similar stage of growth, which I recognizing that I've been able to go, okay, I know I've got like everything in my body is telling me not to say this, but on paper, I know I can. So I'm going to say it and let's see what happens. And it's, uh, 
it's like the it's like the first time I charged an uncomfortable amount of money for my coaching and the client <laughs> yeah. went oh yeah sure it was like it was it was that you're like wait wait really <laughs> yeah oh you oh cool well yeah great great here give me your give me your credit card uh, <laughs> you're like he fell for it yeah <laughs> yeah the you know, it's, it's all my own story of like, how big of a deal is this? And I've had so many moments with, with her and in business where I'm going to say that thing. And the result that I am most scared of doesn't happen. And in fact, the opposite happens where it's totally received or I get a yes immediately with no objection. And it's, it's a, a process of like stacking the evidence, like, okay, there's that feeling again, but what has happened every other time that I've right. done this? <sighs> Here we go. Totally. Oh my gosh. There are so many nuggets in this whole conversation that I think people, even if they apply one, like <laughs> breathe, sit in silence break out as the butter knife if you need to right? <laughs> like all of these things can make such a huge difference if you pick one pick one sit with it master it move on to the next ben i so appreciate everything that you brought to this conversation and just because i want to give you the floor i want to continue to give you the spotlight what is like one beauty and the beast number or quote or song you want to send us off with? Oh, oh my goodness. Um, oh shoot, I know. So, you know, here, here's what it is. Beauty and the Beast is a show about seeing past someone's thorny exterior to find the person that's actually there. Mm. It's not like people say it's a show about Stockholm syndrome <laughs> or bestiality. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not because the bell goes back because the beast actually goes and risks his life to save her. And she realizes, "Oh, there's a human being in there. And she actually falls in love with man bear pig. That's, bas that's, that's basically what he is. So that, that first assumption that, that you get about what someone said or what someone means or what someone's like because of what they're wearing or the expression on their face, take a breath and look deeper. Because there's, there's a little kid in there. There's a scared little kid in there. And if you try to talk to, like, to that five-year-old kid like they're 30, it's not going to work. You got to talk. You got to take a second, look past the exterior to find the kid, and then talk to them. And play. Play all the fucking time. Play all the time. I'm going to go play in the snow with my dog after this for the rest <laughs> of the day. Oh yeah. Well, I will not keep you any longer from playing in the snow with your dog. Ben, thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me, Lindsay. This was a blast. Oh, one thing I do want to leave people with, where can they find you? They want to get in on Adventure Dad. They want to follow your adventures. Anytime you chase spring north or any other thing that you do, <laughs> invite strangers to uh, Thanksgiving in the desert. How do they yeah. find you? <laughs> if, if anyone wants to come out of my adventures, uh, I love inviting people. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at BenJoyWalker. That's all one word. And if you are a dad and you're tired of training the same way all the time, it's starting to break your body and you want to be able to play with your kids, shoot me a message. I would love to talk to you about how we can have more fun. Hell yeah. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs>